Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Breakfast on SEN. Absolutely locked and loaded for your Wednesday, the 17th day of January. Our legendary producer, Coxie, gear up the button in a second, has produced an all-timer for you this morning. The McCafe menu, our official coffee partner, absolutely stacked. The inspirational GWS captain, the All-Australian captain, if you don't mind, Toby Green, is going to join us. Ben Rothenberg is an international tennis journalist, not afraid to have an opinion. He's been busy. He's the author of Naomi Osaka's new book, and he'll talk to us about all things relating to tennis. Rafa Nadal is under fire for supporting the Saudis, so we'll get his thoughts on that. My old man's going to come on because the other day we had a, a deep dive into the career of Tony Modra, and we spoke about how famous he was back in the early 90s when the Crows took hold of South Australia. He's got some great Tony Modra stories. Looking forward to speaking to him about that. Ryan Harris joins the SCN Cricket Commentary team. He's a ripper, one of the best fast bowlers we've had to take us through the cricket and questions without notice. Most importantly, still plenty of time for your calls. one 736 736 uh, A man who has received rave reviews for his performance yesterday is alongside of me again. Speaking of inspirational captains, Phil Davis. Phil, good morning. Kane, great to be here. Day two is better than day one, so I'm looking forward to it. What about last night? I mean, is it, we were we were on the text exchange last night, and we were sort of discussing: is there anything better in sport than getting behind an Australian making a run at the Australian Open? Now it's early; it's the first round, but that's exactly what happened last night with Tanasi Kokonakis, our man. What do you think? And were you as engrossed in it as the rest of the country? Yeah, what an unreal game! Obviously. You know, it was funny, you know, we were having a discussion yesterday how he felt like he wasn't in great form and you sort of knew it wasn't coming easy to him and he was just making it work and grinding. And, you know, I think we as Australians really resonate with that, um, you know, small population, us against the world. And he showed up and what a great, what a great game and what a big win. And he was, he's a, he is a great entertainer too. He's a great entertainer. Yeah, he was. And the crowd got behind him. Let's have a listen to Tanasi after he won last night. Mate, uh, I wish I could do it easier, but I can't. I've got the mental focus of a three-year-old. So however, uh, however I can get it done, you guys are amazing. Without you, no chance I'm winning. So, You look so composed, but what was going on behind those eyes? <laughs> you don't want to know. Um, <laughs> battling some serious demons, that's for sure. Um, no, it was just it was an incredible court. Um, you know, sometimes I struggle for motivation during the year, but... Uh, 
January in the Aussie Open definitely isn't one of those times. And uh, yeah, I had a um, I had a sort of tough end to last year, tough start to this year. And uh, yeah, I know it's a first round, but but this one meant a lot. Obviously, last year that one hurt. Um, I had a couple of junkies come up to me at Crowd Casino ripping me for that loss against Murray. So um, didn't enjoy that too much, but. Uh, Glad I could make amends and, and win a five-setter here. As I said, I can't thank you guys enough. It's ridiculous in here, so thank you. Not holding back. Uh, did you watch <laughs> it? Did you get as caught up in it as the rest of us? Um, I was watching with Lucy, for, and she's got no interest in sport whatsoever, but she was that into this game. Like You, would, like, you wouldn't believe, like, swearing and um, shaking her head every time a point was missed and getting that fight up. I'm like... Why is it that it's just once a year that you do this? Like, this will be January and this will be for an Aussie. And then for the rest of the year, you will not care about sport or, or tennis. I don't know what it is about the Australians at the Australian Open. But just in that uh, interview that he gave, and thanks to Channel 7, uh, Channel 9 it is now, for, for that, he gave away about three gold nuggets, Phil. He, he spoke about that he's got the mental focus of a three-year-old. He said that he battled some serious mental demons and he also revealed that he struggles for motivation um throughout the year but not at the australian open the mind games in sport what have you observed over the journey and, and how important are they yeah well uh, it's actually nice hearing it because i think sometimes i particularly see it with young players they come in they have all these challenges and they're obviously sometimes looking for some candidness from older players to be like hey i find this difficult too but these are the shortcuts that i've found that help me because like for me you know, playing June 15 yeah. against, you know, the seven, in Canberra, in Canberra against like the 15th place team. <laughs> and, you know, you just got to get down there, win and get out. Like, and everyone's like, oh yeah, you only play 23 games a year. I'm like, yeah, I do. And like, I, I really value it. I'm, you know, I'm very thankful that I get that opportunity, but it was like hard work. Like I, and I had to find a routine for when, you know, they always say that, you know, you need discipline when motivation doesn't show up. Mm. And like, that was what I always did there because there are, you know, 80% of games, you'll you'll really motivate. Like there was like easy motivation to get for. And, and I look at tennis, like they play so much. I look at the NBA, they play so much. Mm. That would be even more difficult. Um, you know, you're playing at, you know, court four in the middle of Toronto. It's average, no one cares. And you need a win to eat. You know, and that's all well and good to say. But these, you know, once you, you know, Tanasi, you, you've got enough money that like, it's not necessarily about that. So yeah. that was interesting to hear about the motivation and then the demons, yeah, like I th I'm a big believer that everyone's got doubt. You know, we've got Toby mm. Green coming up who looks like he never has any doubt, but like you know that he does. You know, he has, you have moments you're like, well, either A, am I good enough? Or B, am I doing this the right way? So everyone fights those. And it's like, well, how do you handle that to still perform? Because if you don't, that can really cloud your performance and you don't see it. And, you know, then the concentration thing's very funny because a lot of the athletes I've played with in football, yeah, concentration's not their thing. And yeah. once again, another mental skill where, you know, we spend a lot of time, you know, with our like psychologists and um, mental sharpness coaches or whatever you want to call them saying, mm. hey, what are your cues to get back in to concentrate? So it was interesting that all the parallels just line up there and, and you can see he would spend a lot of time in it. We spend a lot of time. It's pretty consistent. And it's different team sports, isn't it? Like you could almost visually see him inside his head and you could almost picture what was going through his head. There was a second serve that he had late in the tiebreak where he had a he had a small lead, he missed the first serve, the second serve hit the it was let court, he had to oh, yeah. have the, the second serve again. And he's punched one in at one ninety nine, which was above his first um, serve average speed for the night. And I'm thinking 
the courage to do that yeah. when everyone's watching your second serve, like you just play regular tennis. Everyone just like pops their yeah. second serve over because you're so paranoid about serving a double fault. On the biggest stage ever, he's pulled out a massive serve and then was able to, to put it away. There was one volley he made late in that um, tiebreak as well, which was which was really important. But they're, they're, what is it about the Australian Open and supporting an Aussie at the Australian Open? And that was a marathon. That, that was brutal. Uh, well into four hours, we'll discuss that this morning. And if you've got a thought on it, uh, let us know. David is in Townsville. Dave, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, morning, boys. Yeah, I uh, I grew up in Canberra a little bit, um, talking about the cold yesterday. When, when I was in primary school, which is the late 80s, I rode to school one morning and it was minus eight. <laughs> and, and my brother played for Ainsley when David Cloak was the senior coach there. And was and the two boys were playing there as well, the three boys. But he played um, Queen's Birthday weekend, and it was snowing. They made him tough in the eighties, Dale. I'm not sure there'd be many parents in 2024 sending their kids off to ride their bikes to school in minus eight. So uh, you survived. Well done to you, mate. Thanks for your thoughts, and appreciate you joining in the program. Jimmy's in Richmond. You watched your tennis last night, Jim. Yeah, mate, it was really good to hear what Kokonaka said. It was it was very refreshing because he was talking from you know right right at the back of his brain. He he's obviously had some mental mental health challenges, you know, in the last twelve months. You know, keeping himself up to play tennis every day of the year and train and all that sort of thing. You know, it's like everybody has those issues, mate. I get up every morning mm. and I go to work, and I might not like where I'm working or who I'm working with, but you got to spin that negative into a positive in your own mind. Mm. I might be going to a real crappy area for work, but there's a grouse fish and chip shop there or a hamburger shop or a massage parlour, mate, you know? I've got to spin <laughs> the negatives in the positives. No, exactly right, Jim. And Phil, the players that I always admired playing alongside of, and, and there was a, only a handful, the best leaders keep their emotions so level. So you wouldn't even know what's going on mm. at home. Like You wouldn't know if their child hadn't slept or if there was an illness or they themselves were ill or they had a really poor game. They would just act the same um, and they kept their emotions really level. And you're right, Jim, to find the positives when you're struggling is is a real art form and uh, only the best can really do it. Yeah, I like hearing those stories about Jimmy because you know, it's like no one wants to be around a negative person and then mm. it's like imagine that negative person's in your own head. You know, you've got to be mm. able to turn that and hopefully work on that. And, and like... Athletes, it'd be amazing. I think people would find it interesting how much time athletes spend working in that space, trying to really control that piece because, you know, it all looks well and good, but, you know, we've it's probably been more common, Kane, more recently, how many people, you know, have mental health issues in, in sport or all sports, but it's a lot of time invested in that space to try to deal with all those emotions we talk about, talked about. Aaron sent us a text off the temper text, 0433981116. That is what makes Michael Jordan the GOAT. He never let his motivation drop. He was, and the, the Last Dance documentary was great at find, showing us how he would find his motivation. And it, I don't know what if it was someone that beat him when he previously played, he'd use that as motivation or whatever it was, he was able to find a little gold nugget to motivate him. Uh, Big Roo says, does Lucy swear at you, came when you pile in with silly <laughs> takes from time to time? Hey, uh, so I was watching last night and I'm thinking, I'm almost ready for bed. Like, I hope this doesn't go too much longer. It had already gone for four hours and 20 minutes. But then I thought, what a great rule change it was when they changed the fifth set tiebreak to a fifth set tiebreak. Remember not that long ago, in fact, I think it was 2022, 
you just played the final set until you win by two games. So you had to break serve and then win by two. And there was a game at Wimbledon, I think it was, Isner versus Mahu, Phil, that was 70-68 in the final set. 70-68. The final set took eight hours. Yeah, and nice. now this match was spread over three days because of bad light and inclement weather. But the fifth set, longest in history, 70-68. That's what we used to put up with. Why, why did it take so long to change that rule? Yeah. And what are some of the other great rule changes that we've had? Because we, we get critical of the AFL change their rules or sports change their rules and it takes a bit of adapting. That's it. That's it. Uh, it gives me nightmares, that one. Um, so what are some of the other good rules in sports that have been changed? Because that's a ripper. Yeah, well, I, I was actually trying to think. And, you know, soccer, famous for never, ever changing a rule. That's their thing. And I was saying, we spoke about it a bit before, but, like, Buffon, the great Italian goalkeeper, is saying we should make the goals bigger. That'd be interesting. And then, but he's I actually, goal, he, hang on, he's a goalkeeper. He's a goalkeeper. to make the yeah. goals bigger. Because he's retired. It's very smart. <laughs> That's like me. I think they should get rid of holding. Yeah. So you can't hold as a backman anymore. Um, <laughs> so, no, you've got to look after your own records. But no, I, I, I know this will be a fun, but I really like the stand rule in AFL. Oh, my goodness. I, yeah. I we think were getting it, along really well until this moment. Six sixteen on the Wednesday morning, <laughs> things are about to go off track here. No, I, I, from a from a defending the game point of view, it became a point where I thought manning the mark was an enormous skill of the game, that and then was taking away from our ability to move the ball. And I think if you look at it, if you exclude a few of the negatives, if you can move the ball faster because of that. It makes it a great rule. And I think we've seen better offense since it's come in. You're a backman who plays on the fastest and yep. sharpest key forwards who rely on quick ball movement yep. and rely on the team up the field, not slowing that ball movement down. Yep. And you're saying the stand rule is, is a good rule. Yeah, it was great. It was I probably finished my career. Let's not beat around the bush. <laughs> but I think uh, I just like it. Like, I think it makes it move fast. And there's no doubt it, you know, it hurts you. Like, it was not good for me. Let's not beat around the bush. It actually mm. made kicking a bit easier because yeah, you, because, pressure yeah. And, I, if, and like, you know, there's always a lot of pressure to move the ball quickly and, you know, hit 45s. And 45s were very difficult when the man on the mark is like all over you like a hawk and they're, you know, arcing mm. it. But the stand rule made it so much easier. But yeah, defensively, no good. I thought it opened the game and, I think there's no there's no coincidence that offenses come back in line with that. Um, that's okay. that to me, I like that one. Um, don't get me wrong; at, at times, at, at times, I get confused too. But I thought it really opened up the game. What about you, mate? What, well, what's a rule that on you the other like? side of this, we will talk about some rule changes in sport that have been good for the game. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Because in twenty twenty two, they made the fifth set a tiebreak, first to ten. You got to win by two, not seven, ten. And it's so much better than trying to win by two games because we may still be watching this game. There wasn't much separating those two players last night. What are some other rules in sport that have been good for the game? 0433981116. We are up and running. Uh, we've got a, we are absolutely loaded. I'm really excited about today's show. It's SEM Breakfast powered by Kubota. For over 40 years, we've been making tomorrow matter, shaping and building Australia together. Back with your call. Some good rule changes in sport next. Brooksy, one of the best producers in the business. Breakfast on SEN. Phil Davis is back. He got rave reviews yesterday and we have a huge show. Toby Green, the captain of the Giants, the All-Australian captain, if you don't mind. Ben Rothenberg, my old man's going to come on. Ryan Harris to talk some cricket with us 
um, things heating up here in Adelaide. Hopefully there's a decent contest of it. We'll speak to Rhino about that. And your calls all on the McCafe menu, our official coffee partner, discussing rule changes in sport and what are some of the good ones after the tiebreak uh, in tennis in the fifth set was moved to that. First to 10, more so than winning by two games. It's been an excellent rule change as we saw last night with Tanasi Kokonaka. Stu's in Handorf. What's been a good rule change in sports, Stu? Uh, g'day, fellas. Thanks for uh, getting back on air. Love it. Um, I love the sample last touchout rule change that was made years back. It um, takes the ambiguity out of deliberate out-of-bounds out of the umpire's hands, uh, meaning there's more consistency in what you see as a spectator and less frustration. And... Uh, I think it places an emphasis on trying to uh, find the man as opposed to finding ground, as we see in the AFL sometimes. Well, it takes the confusion out. I was against this when it first came in, but, I mean, as you can speak to, it's basically moved to that point anyway. Well, you kick it towards the boundary line and it goes out. It's usually insufficient intent, and I reckon the AFL is not too far away from making this jump as well, like the sample. Yeah, I'm with you, and... You know, I watch the the sample at times, especially near finals time, and it always takes me a while just to catch myself. But then when you actually deep down think about it, like you're like, it's not that dissimilar, really, in terms of how it's, inter- you know, you punch the ball over the line in a marking contest, you know, that's just a, that's a throw in as well. But it's like that real obvious one that we're seeing more and more now. Um, and I think umpires get it more right, but you know, at, at any point in time, that rule is always going to drive people berserk, the insufficient attempt rule. So that it does feel like that's the natural way we're going to go is towards the last touch. All right, this guy says, Kane, you have NFI. That is one of the worst rule changes I have heard of. It's robbed the Grand Slams of the truly epic marathon-type games. Well, I couldn't disagree with you more. What, what a four-hour 20 marathon isn't enough in the first round of a two-week tournament. You want that to go... Longer, like he played until four in the morning the year before. This has been a excellent rule change, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm happy to argue the point with you. But would anyone stay up for the Isna Mahu match, which the fifth set went for eight hours? Like that's farcical, isn't it, Phil? Like, where am I? Is, you know, is this... I think I think for me it's like and this is where I think sports interesting is that there's the absolute purist, and then there's that the entertainment factor, and it's like well for like me as a novice. I want to see who wins that game. I, I feel bad turning the television off because I'm like, oh, this game could go forever, so I'm going to go to bed. Mm. But having an approximate finish line, you can hang in there. And, and you know, maybe it does take away from the absolute purest of pure who are like, this is the best thing ever. We can watch a game till whenever, you know, twenty one nineteen. this is awesome. But for me, I'm like, I like knowing where it's going to be, when it's going to be finished, and it seems all reasonable to me. So... The, the difference between purist and entertainment sport is always a fine line. Yeah, how long do you want? Like, I mean, tennis can be pretty repetitive. I'm just not going to – well, I'm personally not going to sit there and watch it for, for seven, eight hours like we've seen in the past. But uh, happy for your texts. Uh, a lot of those coming through. The three-point line in basketball. So 1979, um, Phil, it was introduced on a one-year trial basis. And it's really interesting if you go back and watch the older footage when there was no three-point line. I think the game's better, but – it has become three-point obsessed. Like, it, that is the major factor now in the modern game, and, and everyone needs to be able to shoot, and Steph Curry's had a huge role to play in that. So I'm, I'm not sure whether we've taken it too far, but at the time, and for a long period of time, the three-point line introduction was a good move. 
Yeah, it's actually like for me, like so so strange to think that that wasn't a part of the game. When you look, watch now, and I was reading a stat the other day, it was like the Lakers are really struggling at the moment because they don't shoot threes. It was like their mm, three point. Mm, that was the one stat. That, that's one story that everyone cared about. It was like this was the three point differential over you know the first forty games of the year. This is why they're you know eighteen and twenty two, and and they've got like the best player or the second best player to ever do it. And they're like, no, they can't shoot threes well enough. That's why they're no good. Compare that to. The fact that one day there wasn't a three-point line is crazy. I, I do love the story about three-point line when they go, well, Jordan didn't shoot that many. You're like, well, yeah. if it was a big part of the game, Jordan would have shot lots exactly. and he would have made lots. And he would have been, a, uh, he would have perfected the art of it. Uh, the stand rules sped up the game, so a few people agreeing with you. In the early 90s, uh, the soccer goalkeeper was allowed to pick the ball up from a back pass. That was, that was a great rule change. You used to be able to kick the ball back to the goalkeeper and he'd be able to pick it yeah. up, alleviate all the pressure. So that excellent rule change. Agree with that. Uh, Dean says he wants to get rid of the draw during the regular season, extra time until first goal wins. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I don't mind it. Only, my only issue is wind. So if, you, if you're coming home with a big breeze and the game goes into extra time, you've had you know X amount of real time playing with the wind. Because you, Five minutes each, though. Swap, swap. It would be swip, yeah. So I, I thought you meant just keep going. Yeah. Uh, in the NFL, they used to be the overtime rules. If the team that had the ball first scored a touchdown, game over. Mm. So the opposition actually never got a chance to touch the ball. That was the worst rule in sport. I can't believe it took them so long to change that. Now both teams get an opportunity to possess the ball in overtime. But that, that took forever um, to bring that one in. John's in Caulfield. What do you think, Johnny? Yeah, good morning, boys. Look, I think it was in the late 70s, maybe early 80s, the AFL introduced, it was very controversial at the time, the introduction of the, the centre diamond, which I think became the centre square. That's and obviously right. then restricting four players in and to open up the game. Yeah, so how have you, how, what sort of change did that make, do you think, Johnny, and why has it been a better change for you? Oh, look, Growing up as a, as a St Kilda supporter, you know, you, I was watching football back then and, you know, it was so congested, you know, mm. every time the ball went back into the centre for a bounce and, and uh, it certainly bettered the game. There's no question. I mean, in terms of opening it up and it just, you know, improvements from that point on to make the game faster and more exciting to watch. So I think it's been a big kick yeah. for the AFL, that one. Good yeah. on you, mate. Thanks for your thoughts. It's a good one. Phil, why do the wingmen not run in now? Not that yeah. long ago, the wingers used to sprint in to clog up and, and well, support their centre bounce players. And one could come in as protection behind as a sweeper. The other one could come in. Now all wingmen from every team just hold out and let their on-ballers go to work at the centre bounce. Yeah, it's almost like it's like an element of, oh, well, they don't do an eye go in. Who's got balance on the yes. field? Yeah, the, the term balance is like arguably the most used terminology in football. Everyone talks about everything, but like balance. You need balance around the ball, balance at stoppage, balance with everything. So they they, want, they hold their balance cane and they stand out. And they, if you're going to come in, you come in now either from a backman, which is obviously super aggressive, or mm. a forward will come up. And that's where they'll try to get more numbers around the ball. But yeah, the wingers, the wingers these days are arguably some of the most important players on the field in terms of just playing a role. They might not get much of the ball, but their ability to play structure is so important these days and yeah. things like that are the big part of it. We are compiling your vocabulary, um, footy vocabulary that is, and we're going to get you to decode it for us nice. tomorrow. So we've okay. had soft drop yesterday. Yes. 
We've had balance this morning. There's a couple of others that we want you to explain. So, Brooks, you and I are going to do that. <laughs> and you're going to explain the modern terms of football for us tomorrow. It's Same time again. for news headlines. I'm going to uh, play to you some extraordinary audio, which has just come across my desk on the other side of the news headlines.